Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. So, how many how many mass shootings have you covered? Oh, God, I don't know. Um, a lot. I've been doing this for 40 years. Ross Ramsey is the executive editor of the Texas Tribune. I called him up because I wanted to talk about guns in Texas, especially after the last month. Uh, the Odessa Police Department confirms that at least one suspect, possibly two, uh, were driving around the region. They are randomly shooting at individuals. They have confirmed that at least 20 people have been killed uh, at that uh, mass shooting in El Paso, Texas. Texas grieves for the people of El Paso today. So you get a little bit cynical watching these and seeing a series of incidents, a series of mass shootings, and the conversation after each of them is maybe this is the one that will change the conversation. And to date, none of them has been the one that changed the conversation, certainly in Texas. Ross follows this conversation like he's predicting the weather, watching politicians like he's tracking a storm. So you watch what they say right after the event, but then you develop a reflex for waiting and seeing what they say two weeks after the event. You know, after this initial shock goes by and after this is not in the daily headlines, then what are we talking about? After El Paso and Odessa, Texas's governor promised action. The status quo in Texas is unacceptable and action is needed. Beto O'Rourke began advocating for a mandatory gun buyback. Americans will, who own AR-15s, AK-47s will have to sell them to the government. We're, we're not going to. But Ross, Ross was focused on someone else. Dan Patrick is the one that surprised everybody. He's from the conservative end of the Republican pool. He's the lieutenant governor. And I'm a strong NRA supporter, and they're a strong supporter of mine. But I believe they are wrong in mm -hmm. not expanding background checks to stopping strangers from selling guns to strangers. We don't Usually, you know, he's in lockstep with the NRA and other Second Amendment rights groups and said, we should probably get rid of this loophole and begin requiring background checks for people individuals selling guns to other individuals in what they call stranger-to-stranger stranger sales, where the two individuals don't know each other. Right. There is no need for a stranger to sell another gun Lieutenant to a stranger. Governor. That's irresponsible, and the NRA needs to get behind that. That's where Republican voters are. That's where Lieutenant many Republican legislators are. So I and to, I believe that can pass Congress. I, I just have to wrap this because I don't want you to. And it seems like a small thing, but it's a real breach of sort of what has been the Texas Republican political code for a long, long time. You know, don't make any laws that restrict what are perceived as Second Amendment rights. Earlier this year, Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick shepherded through laws that allowed guns in churches, that increased the number of armed guards in schools. And then there were shootings in El Paso and Odessa, and the conversation has turned a little bit. Today on the show, could Texas be at a tipping point when it comes to guns. 
Ross Ramsey says it is. We'll talk about why. I'm Mary Harris. You're listening to What Next. Stick with us. This episode is brought to you by Discover. When it comes to your finances, Discover wants you to know they are the credit card that is always there for you. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, that means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. We are talking real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. To understand why Ross is paying so much attention to Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick, I need to explain a little bit about how Texas politics works. Some observers have said the lieutenant governor is actually the most powerful office in the state. It controls the Texas legislative agenda. So what Dan Patrick says, it matters. It also helps to know a little bit about who Dan Patrick is. He came up as a radio talk show host, a firebrand. He was elected first to the Texas Senate and then became lieutenant governor. He's probably the most reliably conservative member of the of the Republican hierarchy. When you look to the Republican Party in Texas and say, we have sort of this conservative social culture, Republicans over here, that's kind of the Dan Patrick wing. And we have the establishment. So Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick is one kind of Republican, the new kind. Rumors have swirled for months that he might join the Trump administration. The governor, Greg Abbott, he started hinting he might be open to some kind of gun control, too. But Abbott is a Republican of the old school. Uh, You know, Greg Abbott came up the sort of the slow, dependable way in Texas politics. So he's very, very well positioned in the governor's office. He, you know, he polls very well. Republicans particularly like him. Very few of them outright hate him. He's not a very controversial figure in that way. These are the two stalwarts right now of the Texas Republican Party. And, you know, they've been pretty consistent, I should say very consistent, on Second Amendment issues. When Texas was liberalizing its laws, making open carry legal, making closed carry legal, doing all of those kinds of things, they've been right there with everybody else moving those things along. It's particularly unusual and for us newsworthy that either one of them is having second thoughts about any positions on the edges or in the middle of any of those issues. I want to get into why when you looked at the reaction to what happened in Odessa and El Paso, you think that there's been a change. And I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit, particularly about the governor and the lieutenant governor and how you've watched their position on guns evolve ever so slightly. And sure. I guess I guess to do that, we should start off by talking about the two 2017-2018 shootings, um, the school shooting, and the one in Sutherland Springs. Good morning, everyone. We're coming on the air with breaking news, a school shooting with reports of multiple fatalities, this time in Santa Fe, Texas. It's outside. Overnight, the quiet town of Sutherland Springs, Texas, trying to come to grips with the nation's latest horrific mass shooting. So tell me a little bit about 2017, 2018, and how that motivated the politicians. You know, they came out of those shootings, uh, one at a church, one at a high school, I I think, you know, properly mortified. They were, you know, everybody in Texas was shocked by those things. And the first reactions were, we should get everybody together. The governor called together these roundtables and actually did, uh, you know, a fair enough job of getting 
full spectrum of people from, you know, those who didn't want any more guns to ever be in Texas to those who thought everybody in Texas should be always carrying a gun and listened to them and, and tried to find some, some common ground. And most of the common ground that they came out of there with had to do with things like, you know, mental health issues, recognizing people who were in trouble on one hand, and then talking about architecture in the way that you've heard after other school shootings. That was sort of the safe space they could all agree on. And then the edge of that was this argument that the governor made for just a minute that, you know, maybe we should consider red flag laws in Texas. And these are the laws that say, if you know of someone who has become either a danger to themselves or a danger to other people, then there ought to be some way for a court to have a hearing and then take away their guns for some period of time until, you know, they've stabilized, things are under control again. And the governor, he said, we should talk about those laws. And, the, and Dan Patrick, the lieutenant governor, said that's not going to go anywhere in the Senate. And that's where that stopped. Um, and then you go through a legislative session, then you come out and you have the shootings in El Paso and Odessa. And now it is the lieutenant governor who's saying, you know, we need to redo this law on background checks for stranger to stranger sales, as they call them. So they're both sort of edging toward it without edging there together. Right. Yeah, it's interesting to think of them where it's like one is very establishment, sort of old school GOP, and the other one is new school. And if both of them are moving in the same direction, then it really tells you something because it's both versions of being a Republican right now. Well, you have to look at, you know, the thing they have in common, which is the Republican electorate in Texas. And, you know, those guys are both really good at politics and they can read a crowd. And I think the crowd's moving. It's hard to wrap my head around the idea of Texas changing its mind when it comes to guns. Because for me, the quintessential Texas gun story is what happened in 1991 after a gunman opened fire and killed 24 people at Luby's Cafeteria in Colleen, Texas. The police department here in Colleen is describing this entire massacre as a very complicated jigsaw puzzle, and they don't have all the pieces. At the time, this was the deadliest mass shooting in the United States, and it played a critical role in shaping Texas's gun laws. That's because one of the survivors, a woman whose parents were killed, said she could have stopped the gunman, but she left her gun in her car because back then, carrying a pistol in public was illegal. You know, is it possible my gun could have jammed? Sure. Is it possible I could have missed? Sure. But I can tell you I've hit much smaller targets at much greater distances. The person, the woman who was at Luby's when her parents got shot was elected to the legislature shortly after that and was one of the big gun advocates in the legislature for some time. Her name is Susanna Gracia Hupp. And she carried that argument for a long time and said, had we had a gun, we couldn't even throw a salt shaker at this guy. And, you know, he killed all these people in Luby's. As I mentioned, I'm not really mad at the guy that did this. And I'm certainly not mad at the guns that did this. They didn't walk in there by themselves and pull their own triggers. The guy that did it was a, a, a lunatic. That's like being mad at a, a rabid dog. I'm mad at my legislators for legislating me out of the right to protect myself and my family. I'm wondering how she ended up influencing local politicians and sort of changing the debate just by being part of the conversation at the local legislative level. Well, I think the conversation at that time was really influenced by that. You know, that was a, a notorious case for a while. Uh, it was a case where nobody could defend themselves. And one legislative solution, which was a response, frankly, to public opinion was, you know, had anybody been able 
to defend themselves in there that might have come out differently. So the legislature's, you know, preference really and 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 the situation both argued for arming people and making sure they could defend themselves if somebody crazy came in with a gun. So this idea of liberalizing gun laws, making it easier to defend yourself, it became ingrained in the Texas legislature. And anyone who's tried to change that, make it a little harder to get a gun, has been met with a lot of pushback. I found this video from a few years back of a gun rights supporter who'd gone into the legislature to confront a state lawmaker. He was an advocate for open carry laws. And open carry, in fact, I think without a license. We need a yes vote from you. You don't want to vote yes? We're going to start shopping for somebody that will. I don't want to vote yes. All right, thanks for your time. Go shop for him. Y'all have a great day. And he goes in and he he confronts this guy who's clearly a little scared and, and trying to kick him out of his office. You need to leave. I'm asking you to leave my office. I'm asking you to leave my state because you don't take you your oath seriously. Is that the tone of the gun debate when you're talking about, you know, getting something done legislatively? Yeah. I mean, you've got very, very strong advocates and very ardent and sometimes histrionic arguments both for and against guns. The the argument with Pancho Navarez, that, that kind of carry here is called constitutional carry. And the idea is that because of the Second Amendment, that's the only license you need is the Constitution, and you should be able to carry any gun any place unless there's some distinct reason not to be able to do it. Um, it's been a reliable wedge issue in Texas. If you talk about gun rights, you can pretty reliably count your Republicans on one side of the room and your Democrats on the other. So why do you think that now things are different? I mean, you wrote this essay where you said the reliable and lasting triangle of GOP wedge issues, God, guns, and gays, is coming to pieces because gay rights are pretty established now in Texas. And you say gun control is going to be on the rise. But it seems optimistic to me. I I wonder why you think now is different. Well, you know, I've been around for a long time. This is one of those, you know, you know, old people covering politics have been watching this for a long time. The God, guns and gays argument isn't a clever thing that I came up with. It's a thing that people used to actually say, you know, when you talk to Republican consultants, as they were taking over what was then a democratic state of Texas, if you can imagine that, that was sort of the three-point mantra. If you talked about those three issues in a particular way, you could separate Republicans from Democrats, and more usefully, it t- those three issues tended to push independent voters to the Republican side. Republicans became the majority, and that was a reliable formula. But the sodomy laws went down, the laws against same-sex marriage went down, and attitudes have changed on LGBT issues enough that that's no longer a reliable political issue that separates your voters in a useful way in an election. Ross says right now, with guns, he can see the voters realigning themselves again. It's just happening really slowly. Yeah, most of the things that change change, you know, when you when you break an issue and say this is no longer one issue, this has component parts. You have this monolithic issue, second amendment rights, don't touch it. One side says leave it alone, the other side said, you know, this has gone too far. And now you see even the ardent proponents of second amendment rights talking about, well, maybe we should have a law that limits this and maybe we should have maybe we should rethink that. When you start to take an issue apart like that, you know, this is what the people who want to hold the line call a slippery slope argument. When you when you begin to 
talk incrementally about an issue that's been monolithic, it kind of crumbles. Guns is not there yet, but it's starting to be there. You know, if you've got a Dan Patrick moving on guns or you've got uh, Greg Abbott moving on guns away from these hardline Republican positions, you fuzz those lines a little bit. Wedge issues in politics depend on really sharp lines that divide people on party on a party basis. Hmm. I wonder whether you think there are other elements at play here that might be impacting how politicians think about guns and more than just the shooting themselves. But if you look at the elections in 2018 in Texas, you see the Republican counties that have reliably elected people like Dan Patrick and Greg Abbott are sliding a little bit, particularly suburban counties. And on issues like, you know, if you if you ask people what they're thinking about, you know, they're thinking about education, which, you know, classically is a Democratic issue. Um, they're they're starting to talk about gun control. The Republicans are looking in their rearview mirror at 2018 and saying our voters are a little bit restive. Maybe we get another sounding from them. And I think, you know, based on their actions, the soundings that they're getting from their voters are in the direction of you should do something about these gun laws. This can't continue like this. I think they're changing their positions because their voters are changing their positions. And, you know, I think voters are changing their positions just because they've the steady drumbeat of shootings in Texas and elsewhere around the country finally has them in a place where they're alarmed about it. Ross Ramsey, thank you so much for talking to me. Thanks for having me. Ross Ramsey is the executive editor of the Texas Tribune. All right, that's the show. If you are listening to this podcast in Texas, I've got news for you. What Next is recording a live show on stage in Austin on September 26th. It is part of the Texas Tribune Festival. I'm going to be talking to former Senator Jeff Flake and Wendy Davis. She's running for Congress right now, but you remember her. She was the Texas state senator with the sneakers and the filibuster. So come join us. Go find out how to do that at festival.texastribune.org. What Next is produced by Jason DeLeon, Mary Wilson, Mara Silvers, and Danielle Hewitt. And I'm Mary Harris. Talk to you tomorrow. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.